Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Heroes come and go, but legends are forever. Kobe Bryant. Now, legend, did I hear you correctly? You said that prior to this 255-mile race, your longest prior race was a 50k. Yeah, I think this uh, um, this online media person uh, did a race preview. His uh, uh Chase Parnelli does Treeline Journal, and he tweeted and was like, uh, showed a picture of my. It's called Ultra Signup, where it shows your race history, and it showed showed 150k for me, and he just tweeted. Wow, bold move because it showed that Cocodona was the next one. And it was like, yeah, just jumping up from 30 miles to 250. And it's like, yeah, it's a natural progression, I guess. But natural progression. Another another reason your name is legend. That that is legendary right there. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, 
just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest who appeared last season, and I am very excited to welcome back to the podcast, Jeff Legend Garmeyer. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Got a lot lot to catch up on after uh, we left everyone wondering what happened to me. Yeah, and you know what? I had a bit of an anxiety attack after I aired the last episode, thinking maybe I had pronounced your last name wrong, but I think I heard you pronounce it Garmeyer as well. Am I, am I getting that okay? Absolutely. Yeah. You're actually one of the few that has it right. So you're, uh, you're way ahead of the curve here. Okay. And I am really enjoying the fact that we're having some, some of our most popular guests come back on and do a second round of uh, interviews here on the podcast. Legend, you had your, your episode just went right through the roof. Uh, people are engaged with you and want to hear about you. So it's, it's nice to see your friendly face and the new hairdo come back on the pod. Yeah, this is the run all day, take a shower, and then jump in front of the computer instead of the mirror and figure out what you look like. So this is uh, what I do for you here. It's perfect. Thank you. We really (laughs) appreciate that. And, you know, I was taking notes and kind of brainstorming about how to introduce you. What would be the proper introduction for Legend? And I went through uh, some some various uh, options here. I went with the, you know, Amazing Ambulator. I went with the Hiking Hero. Uh, Barkley Badass, and, or just the man, the myth, the legend. So, I mean, do you have a preference on any of those? I mean, the last one's good. I think you could describe me pretty well just by uh, describing the the shirt I'm wearing on your show. So that might uh, give everyone some insight into my style here. So, you know. Nice. And that's a plug right there for you to not only listen to the podcast on on uh, on the radio, wherever you get your podcast, but also to tune into the YouTube feed for the John Freaking Mirror Pod and see what Jeff Garmeyer, a.k.a. legend, looks like right now. It could be nothing. I could be wearing nothing at all, or I could be wearing something just striking. I'm sure my check is in the mail for plugging YouTube. Wow. What a, what a big tease right there. Yeah. You, you have to pause the podcast right now and tune in on YouTube. Very good. All right. And you know what? I was, I was intrigued when you, when you agreed to do the, the uh, interview today, because uh, you said that you were exhausted and vulnerable. And so we might, we might get a lot of information out of you tonight. What, what's going on? Yeah. Every uh, full moon, the last few months, me and my friend have, uh, run through the night on some epic adventure so we did a 20 mile ridge run in bozeman one time um then some mountains and then this time we did the timberline trail we started at 8 p.m last night and finished about you know about 10 a.m this morning so we went straight through the night did 40 miles and 13 14 hours and just had some some good fun under the clear skies and the epic moon out there just staring up at Mount Hood. Okay, well, save those thoughts because I want to check back in on that and hear about uh, some of the other night runs that you've done and what kinds of hallucinations you've had out there uh, with sleep deprivation. We'll get back to that. But just to remind our listeners out there who maybe for whatever reason weren't able to tune in the, to the last episode that you were you were on, uh, give us a quick thumbnail sketch of who Legend is. What What are you known for? What have you done? What's your resume look like? Oh man, um, I'm 30 years old. Very good looking. Uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're on YouTube, just keep that to yourself. Um, and uh, I've backpacked about 30,000 miles in the last 10 years, including things like being a triple crowner, but doing that in one year well actually in nine months i did all three trails and then 
a thing called the Great Western Loop, which is a 7,000 mile <clears throat> loop around the Western United States. And uh, I think about 16 trail speed records, including Colorado Trail, the Long Trail, um, Pinhoti Trail, number of other ones out there with that. Um, just really into finding ways to push the limit, whether it's distance or speed or um, sleep deprivation. I've gotten into a little bit more running and racing like that. So I've really begun to, I think as soon as I feel like I've gotten a hold of something, I like to jump into something equally uncomfortable and start from zero again and build up. And once I feel like I understand what's going on, it's like time to find something else new because it's no fun when you know what to expect out there. Wow. So you act, you're admitting that you actually figure out what's going on because the more I delve into stuff, the more I realize that I don't, <laughs> I don't know hardly anything. And so I, I'm not sure I'll ever know anything or everything. So yeah. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I figure it all out eventually, right? Don't we all, or yeah. we convince ourselves maybe. That's probably the case. That's probably the case. One of my favorite stories from your escapades on the trail is uh, the time where you went to go reach for the the uh, moose antlers to take take to the next town and, and ship those home and uh, found out that they were still attached to a live a live moose. I mean, that was that, that's quite a story. Yeah, the, the moose charged me. I dove into the bushes, had to run back through the, the brambles, hide behind a tree and then backtrack a half mile and go around the moose. But yeah, it was a it was an epic story. And if you want the the full full flushed out version that it is in my book so you're gonna have to buy that but you can get it on audible if you're not a reader because i'll read it to you that's right because legend is an accomplished author he has a book out there the free outside that details his calendar triple crown it is an outstanding read i highly recommend it thank you yeah it's uh you know it's it's something unique to be able to look back from above and kind of judge yourself on what you did in the moment. So that's kind of the unique way of writing about something that happened in the past. All right. And one of the other things I like about you is that you are involved in a number of activities. It's not just hiking. I mean, you, you, uh, you've also done some trail running and entered some of, some of the you know longest, toughest trail races out there. And so I think there's a lot to be said about cross training and uh, how one activity really uh, improves and helps the other activity. I know just uh, just from this past summer, you know, it's not the Great Western Loop. It's not 7,000 miles, but I did 125 miles out on the trail for eight and a half days and came back nine pounds lighter and in great shape. And it was right, it happened right in the middle of my marathon training. And I am just killing my training runs right now. So I, I did a, a nine miler yesterday and the fastest mile was my last mile, which, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying my current level of fitness right now. Yeah, that's awesome. I think the changing things up and avoiding the complacency and being inspired is kind of the cool thing. So you've been running and you go out backpacking, you come back to running and it's it's fun to be going fast again. So you uh, you get a whole new appreciation when you uh, get to change up the activity. So I've always been a big fan of that. That's right. And uh, to set, help set the, the mood today in the, the John Freakamere studio, I've got a... Uh, a gift from my my daughter, my youngest one. It is a uh, Muir Woods scented candle. She saw that. She had to pick it up. Now, what makes it scented like Muir Woods? I'm not sure. It's got bergamot, 
mandarin, oak moss, and patchouli in it. And it's got a couple of wooden wicks, which I hope don't set off the smoke detector in the room. So we'll see how that goes. So you're not actually out in that uh, backdrop that you're recording in? So I, I am not. say fires are probably not allowed back there. I am not at Evolution Lake right now. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Spoiler alert. Man. I, I know I, it's a little deceptive. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fair. Okay. I'll have to, have to chew on that for a couple minutes, but I'm good. <laughs> okay. And since last time I talked to you, I understand that you went on Jeremiah Stringer's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've done theirs a couple times. They're, uh, they're fun. We just goof around. Yeah. It's good yeah, stuff. We, we had him on uh, on an episode and it was great talking to him. I really enjoyed him as a guest. And uh, we, we compared some of our, our common guests uh, that we had, we had interviewed. So you were, you were one of them and you were, you were the topic for a good 15, 20 minutes. He, he talked about some of the things you, you guys were going on about. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, all types of stuff. You never know what you're going to get when you start talking to me, especially I've slept an hour and 48 hours. So put your, your, uh, your, hard-hitting interview had on you could get some good content all right that's what i plan to do that's what i plan <laughs> to do and for those of those of our listeners out there who may not be familiar with your trail name legend it is not because of the thirty thousand miles you have under your boots it's not uh the seven thousand mile great western loop or taking on a, a bull moose trying to trying to pull the antlers off its head legend actually has to do with a story about pizza yeah i was on I started backpacking through hiking in general when I was 20 years old on the Pacific Crest Trail with the big old external frame pack. And we, as a group, left Wrightwood and ended up making the big mistake if we didn't pack out some epic trail food or some epic town food to eat on the trail the first night. And we were camped there and the ramen and instant mashed potatoes was uninspiring. So I told everyone that I would hitchhike back into Wrightwood and come back with some pizzas and steak for the group. And they thought it was pretty impossible at that hour. But, you know, hour and a half later, I showed up with pizza and steak for the entire group. And it was really driven by being the youngest one there and wanting to impress them. But they decided that it was legendary. And then my friend uh, Buddha pulled me aside a little bit later and said, you know, with a trail name like that, this can't be your only through hike. So I guess maybe I took that to heart a little bit too, too much, but here I am. Yes. And I understand you did not do that hitch with a pack on. Is that correct? Yeah. I had Crocs and just a jacket. I looked much more homeless than through hiker, which is always a tough way to get a ride, but somehow it worked. My ride yeah. back to the trail was with a 16-year-old who had his license for three days and his friend was in the car and I didn't think we'd make it, but lo and behold, he didn't take any corner too fast and we uh, stayed on the road, but it was touch and go there for a minute. Well, the fact that you got a hitch there and back without a without a pack, uh, dressed like a thru-hiker, that right there is legendary. <laughs> you know, I probably would agree with you. I was wondering for a while trying to get out of town if I was just going to be stuck with all this pizza and steak and never be able to fulfill my promise without a pack even. I would have been vulnerable down there. So I guess if anyone wants to take one piece of advice is don't ever leave your pack where you don't know how you're going to get back to it. That's okay. a big, uh, big lesson. That almost sounds like a pro tip, which you know comes at the end of the episode. I'll turn to you and ask you for your pro tip. What what bit of uh, insight can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? It could be that one or it could be a different one. So stay tuned. 
Yeah, no one knows what they're going to get with uh, one hour of sleep in the last 48 hours from Legend. So we'll see. Absolutely. All right. Hey, let's take a second. Let's talk gear because uh, we have a, a gear segment that is sponsored by Ultra, the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. And uh, usually how it works is I ask you, what piece of gear must you pack um, for like a multi-day hike? But I, what I would like to, to twist this to is for the Barkley Marathons, because we're going to talk about the Barkley. You participated in the Barkley Marathons. What is your must-bring piece of gear for the Barkley Marathons, Legend? A quality headlamp. And it's the biggest difference between through hiking and trail running is when you're moving a little bit faster, that better headlamp, um, like 400, 500 plus lumens with some of the new technology that lights up things a little bit better. And there's even some stuff that you can wear on your waist and hits things from different angles. But when you go from uh, just backpacking or hiking to running, uh, actually, last night I had a, a pretty good fall because I didn't see a rock stick. There was it was the smoothest trail you can imagine, but one rock, and I didn't see it just because in the dark it's hard to see. But that quality headlamp is uh, it's pretty amazing. There's a few good ones out there, but you know it can really make your time a lot more enjoyable if you're not just guessing where each foot's coming down. Okay. I know that I will find every rock in the daylight. I, I will kick every single rock out there on the trail. That's a common practice for me. So you're, you're clearing the trail for us. So thank you. That's right. My, part of my strategy is I have, you know, I, I try and do the least amount of effort as possible. So I have very low clearance when I, when I pick my feet up, which has a tendency to kick every single rock or root. That, that's efficiency. That's, that's good. You can go far with trail running then too. <laughs> nice. And let's let's uh, segue from from the gear to uh, talking about the Barkley because the last time you were on, I think, was maybe a week before you were leaving for the Barkley Marathons for the very first time. And so I I want to provide our listeners and myself with the full experience with wow. your you going to the Barclays. I mean, what what was it like arriving, uh, preparing, waiting for the the blowing of the the conch and the lighting of the cigarette? Take us take us through all that. Wow. Okay. I, sh I drove out there because uh, we were still pretty heavy. COVID times got out there a couple days before the event and ran some of the defined trails around the park, just get a little bit used to it. And then my aunt was out there as well because she was fully vaccinated and only fully vaccinated people could crew and there weren't a whole lot of them. So she was kind of agreeing to help a number of the other runners out there um, and the weather was pretty good leading up and then the day before it's the clouds opened up and it started raining and it didn't stop and uh, things puddles were everywhere and it just became like this question of well if it's going to be like that out there and it's a mud pit and we're not following trails what gear changes do I need to make? And so everyone was kind of scrambling and uh, just with it being um, kind of closed off from the U.S. to overseas, it was, I think there were only two runners from overseas. So it was a lot of U.S. runners and a lot of virgins out there. So it was a very, uh, very unique atmosphere in camp of everyone wondering what they got themselves into, especially as the rain kept coming down. It was uh, 
it was it was wild and so we all kind of tried to go to bed pretty early and with no idea we thought like oh it's you know there's a bunch of virgins here it's raining really bad like these are terrible conditions for people to do well anyways he's gonna let us just wait till daylight and and then blow the the conch and uh he blew it think about 2 a.m and so that meant we had a 3 a.m start which was not ideal it was still pouring the there were puddles the trail you start off on the trail for a little bit to get up into the mountains and the trail had become more of a, a stream than a trail and uh once you left the trail, it was a slip and slide. It was just mud everywhere. And it was so much fun. It was like a slip and slide as a, as a kid on the way down. But once you had to turn around and go back up that hill, it was not so fun. It was uh, near impossible. And then the fog rolled in, couldn't see anything. Everyone struggled to, to get through the just the first lap alone. And um, yeah, okay. ended up, let's let's stop yeah. right there for a sec because yeah. I want to back up just a little bit. And you know, first of all, was 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 your aunt? Was she Aunt Legend, or did she have a she have a trail? Yeah, aunt, aunt Kristen. She's a you know she's she's an iron she's an iron woman, so she's done an Iron Man. So nice, nice. Yeah, that's her trail man. Yeah. And for <laughs> uh, for our listeners out there who surprisingly might not know what the Barkley is, because I talk about it all the time. Um, the Barkley Marathons is one of the toughest ultra ultra races out there. Ultra ultra. How, how would you classify that? It's a, it's I would a just trail. say race, unique race in general. Yeah, um, it's uh, there's it's off. It's largely off trail. There's no GPS, no electronics other than your headlamp. You have to draw your own map from a guide map, and then you have to travel five loops of 25 miles with about 15,000 feet of elevation gain on each one. And you find books basically from riddles within instructions and you tear one page out of each of the books. And that's like your checkpoint to show that you hit every point on the loop. And the race is designed so that there's like a 0.001% chance someone can finish and so most years no one finishes such as this year not even no one was even close yeah and we've had, the race the has been in existence for 30 plus years mm -hmm. and there's been 15 finishers yep and only a handful of those are have been repeat finishers yep and um some of the and it's all dependent on weather and the year and stuff so right. the years people finish sometimes two people finish sometimes three people finish but many of those 30 years I would say most of the 30 years, no one finishes. No one even gets close. This year, no one made it out of loop three. Right. So, <laughs> so it is a it is a cruel race. I mean, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, just um, the distance and the time limit. You have 60 hours to do the, the five loops, uh, 25 miles each loop. You do the loops. Uh, some years, you do them in opposite directions. You start off and you go every other one. Was that Was that the situation this year? Um, no, this in terms of counter clockwise versus counterclockwise, you're going different directions. Yeah. It was like, it was all over the place. It was like clockwise, then counterclockwise, counterclockwise again, then back to clockwise. It, you know, you don't know what the race is going to be till the instructions are handed out, which is a very unique feature. You also don't know when it's going to start. So we were talking about the conch shell. 
it can start anywhere from midnight to noon. And the only way you know is he blows a conch shell, which means the race starts in exactly one hour. And this year, one person didn't hear it and slept through the start of the race. So, um, yeah. And that wasn't with, you. No, it wasn't. Okay. And as with any great race, this is his words. It starts with him lighting a cigarette. And once he takes his first puff of that cigarette, that's when the runners start running. So you get a really good like nicotine buzz as he's just exhaling that right into these elite athletes faces. It's, you know, it's, it's incredible. There's nothing like it out there. Yeah. So you've got the distance. Um, you've got the elevation change. You've got the clockwise versus counterclockwise. You've got the fact that you've got to find these books based on the clues that you're given. And on then a, with a map that you've drawn yourself from his own map. So if you mess up your map, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> this is the craziest race out there. I mean, it, it is nuts. And then I think the, the compounding factor is that, you know, with a 60 hour time limit, basically 12 hours per loop, right? Mm-hmm. You, uh, yeah. Yep. Roughly. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. Uh, sleep deprivation then comes into play. Now, when you're, you're out there doing two loops, three loops, four loops, you're making decisions and you're doing your wayfinding on a severe lack of sleep, which only compounds the problems out there. Yeah. And how it's set up with 12 hours per loop, that means one's in the daylight and one's at the, in the night. So nothing looks the same, even though you're going to sleep, doing the same thing. And often he'll switch you directions. So if you've hiked the trail each direction, it looks totally different each way anyway. So it is, there's every little way that you can fail. We were at one book looking for it for two hours. And this is kind of what killed not finishing that first loop in time. We, I got all the pages, but missed the cutoff. We are looking for two hours and we were within hundred yards of it. Just couldn't piece together the clues in time or uh, accurately and it's that's what makes it fun and frustrating and you go through every emotion so quickly it's sort of like a through hike on steroids that's maddening absolutely <laughs> maddening and then you, you you take all i mean the race is difficult the race is difficult period in itself mm-hmm. and then you throw in rain and fog and cold and it is it is just a nightmare yeah i think in i don't know if anyone has ever finished in a heavy fog year like uh Jared Campbell, the only three-time finisher, was out there this year, and he finished three loops, but over the cutoff to go out on the fourth. So he was two loops behind even being able to finish this for a fourth time, just because the fog and the weather is t- so rough. So it's it's so weather dependent, and of course you don't know. You can get all types of weather within an hour out there. It's incredible. Yeah, and you're not allowed to practice on the actual course prior to yeah, the race, right? You, exactly. can, you can practice adjacent, you can practice trails in the park, but you cannot practice on the actual course. Yeah, it's just uh, very similar to any state or national park or anything out there where it's you have to stay on the trails. And this is the one event per year where he has the approval to send people wherever they want. So I actually talked to a ranger the day before the race and they just said, uh, asked them a few questions about certain things and they just said no we hand over the keys to Laz this weekend who is the race director they're like 
you got to ask him these things. We know it's a state park, but this is his weekend. He's he's in charge of everything. Wow, he he is a big shot. I mean, the 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 Rangers turned the keys over to Laz Lake. Also, uh, his given name is Gary Cantrell. He is the inspiration behind this. Uh, he's the one who created this, developed it, named it after his friend. But he was inspired by the the prison escape of uh, James Earl Ray, uh, who escaped from was it Bushy State Prison? Brushy Mountain State. Brushy Mountain. Yeah. yeah, he escaped. He was gone for sixty hours, and they thought uh, he. he he, you know, he must be long gone, but they actually found him like two or three miles away from the prison because the the environment and the terrain were so rough out there. That's as far as he could get. And and Laz, a.k.a. Gary, uh, said, you know what? I could I could have been I could have done 100 miles in 60 hours. And the, there there you go. The Barkley Marathons, the idea, the inspiration was was born. And early on in the early parts of this race. Gary tried to run his own race. He never came anywhere close to running a hundred miles. So uh, he was proven wrong as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. That's awesome because people, I mean, the people who show up for these races, the people who are admitted, who apply, I mean, these are elite athletes. These are people who are not unprepared. I mean, there is one person they admit every year who was like a sacrificial lamb who is not, not ready for it. But, uh, the majority of the, of the competitors and they are world-class athletes. We had Michael Wardian on, yep. on the podcast here and talked about his experience. He is an ultra runner of the highest quality top-notch world-class athlete. And he has run it a couple times and only, only finished one loop, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he is probably the most consistent and most accomplished ultra runner over the past 20 plus years. And it was just a different beast out there. He, he had hypothermia and had to had to quit just from the weather changing so quickly. It can be blue skies, and then an hour later, you're shivering, just hiding in a cave in the rocks or something. That's right. That is, you know, when you, when you're that level of athlete, and the race puts you in a cave, uh, huddling with hypothermia. I mean, that kind of tells you what the race is all about. There are a couple of documentaries out there that are really good about the Barkley marathons and the titles will give you some insight. It's so uh, the race that eats its young and where dreams go to die. Those, those are the titles of the, the two most famous documentaries of, of the Barkley. Yeah. Yep. And Jamil Curry has some good, he's been on too. He has some good content out there too. If you want to want to see and hear people that are so sure they can do well, go so quickly to, I don't want to do this anymore. So I think uh, it's a a good way to gauge that it is harder than anything some of these top people have ever done. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jamil a little bit later. We had him on the podcast as well and found out that he was running the trail. I was really pulling for for you and and for Jamil on the course this past March. And uh, you participated in his his inaugural um, ultra marathon trail trail race, uh, the Cocodona, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But before we get to that, um, so he blows the conch. You show up at three a.m. You yeah. wait for him to light the cigarette. What's what's going through your mind? What what are you anticipating? What, what's ahead of you? I'm just thinking like, let's start this thing. But so when he blows the conch, you get your watch. So you don't even get to bring your own watch. He hands you a watch. We walk up to the tent where he's handing out the watches it's a pocket watch like it's an analog pocket watch with no ability to set an alarm basically it's pointless 
everyone just put it in their packs and was like, we're not using this because there's no use for this in the, in the realm of this race. It's what someone would be carrying in the, the 1800s is just uh, check the time. So that was useless, but I guess a good gift and a good memento that no one actually used out there. Uh, and then, yeah, at the start line, show up, ready. He lights a cigarette, we go. And then about two miles in, uh, one, the runner behind me says, did you bring your bib? Do you know what bib number you are? And it was like, yeah, uh, I brought it right here. And he's like, I think I forgot to bring my bib and I don't know what number I am. And so he made the decision that he was going to turn around and run all the way back down to try to figure out what number he was. And it was just like, oh, no, he was telling me he was having a panic attack because he couldn't find his bib in his pack. And so it was just a high pressure situation here. So, yeah, there's a lot can happen. And then people, even the first book, there's Jared Campbell, who's done it four or five times total. And then Jamil Curry, who done it six plus times maybe more and they're kind of leading the way looking for the first book but there's so much fog they're hunting around in the bushes and looking for where it is and we're just like we have no chance if they can't find this book so it really just was very humbling very quickly and made found a number of books on my own was able to kind of get in Laz's mind from the instructions and in the riddle way he kind of writes them and did pretty well but it was just like wow this is totally unique from anything else out there do you remember a riddle a particular riddle that you can you can share with the listeners out there or is that forbidden well let's just like an abstract one would be like once you see a hidden rock wall continue past it by the weird looking tree veer to the left climb up on the small hill and there you'll find X item. And it's like, okay, that's starting with a hidden or obscured rock wall. It's like, that's, you can find a thousand things within a mile in that, in the woods that you can consider an obscured rock wall. And that's why it's being a veteran comes in so handy. It's just like, it is so hard. It's as he says, everything you need is right there, but you can apply that to everything if you have no idea what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. And what was your strategy going in? Did you say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to follow a veteran. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of latch onto a veteran group and, and just stay on their heels and see what they do. Or did you band up with a couple of newbies? How, what was your approach? Yeah. For a couple books was with Jamil and then the fog got so heavy that I thought he was one headlight or headlamp, but, turns out it wasn't him so now i'm just with another virgin out there and we found the next book then ran along on my own found a couple more and then found another virgin out there we found one and then then there turned into like five of us hunting around for this one book for two hours more and more people kept coming but yeah, the fog just messed up everything. It's just like you can go in with the best strategy of, oh, I think my fitness, I can go with someone. But yeah, if you blink or look away, you might think the wrong headlamp was uh, the person we were hoping to follow. So I don't know. It, it was a really fun time, but it was also just like, wow, you need a lot to go your way to even be 
in that realm of possibility to, you know, get deep into the race at the very least. Yeah. When you lose Jamil in the fog, I mean, that, that fog has got to be thick. Very. Yeah. You couldn't, you could barely see anything. You could, you might just like mistake the flash of a headlamp off like a bush for what you thought was another headlamp because you're just it's just so so dense of fog and it just sticks to the mountains up there wow all right and what was what was the offering that you had to bring laz um so as as a virgin you bring a license plate from your home state but the uh the returning as we'll call them returning failures the returners who hadn't finished the race had to bring a case of moxie soda which is only sold in maine i believe and then uh, i think jared was the only one who finished before and he had to bring a case of camel unfiltered cigarettes okay which so there's, by there's the way room. yeah in the in the um documentaries when it talks about that's what um prior finishers bring Laz does smoke those. So just if you if you're wondering, it's not just a funny thing. That's just feeding his his uh his smoking habit here. It's <laughs> it's just like I can get a couple packs. Okay. Yeah. So it's a license plate for the virgins. It is uh Moxie Soda, at least this yep. past year, for the the returners who did not finish. And for returning finishers, it was it's the camel, the camel cigarettes. Yeah. And uh he every year Laz decides what the returning failures bring to him. And in the past, he's been like, Well, I'm getting low on socks, so I'd like people to bring me socks, or I need shirts, bring me shirts. Or it's like, Oh, I tried Moxie soda, I like it. I'll have him bring me Moxie soda. So he has a he has a method of shopping for himself. Very good. So you hit all the books, you made the complete circuit, but you didn't do it in the time limit. Yep. You come back. They play taps for you. Oh, yeah. Yep. Taps in the pouring rain. It was it was great. Yeah. And were you thinking, damn it, I, I didn't get to go for a second loop, or all right, I don't have to go for a second loop. Um, I think it was always the mindset of if it took three days, I would stay out there to make sure I got all the pages of all the books, even if it was too slow, like a couple people that I met or I saw starting to walk back, we're just like, there's no way we'll finish in time. And it's like, yeah, well, they're not going to pull us off the course. We can search as long as we want. It's like, I'm going to get all my pages. I'm going to actually do the full loop, whether it's too slow or not. And so that was the mindset. And the whole thing going into it was like, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to time out or something like that. It's just like the whole mindset and being ready and having like a, a list of accomplishments to get into the Barclay is all about, you know, going after things that are nearly unattainable or, or having accomplishments like that. It's like, I didn't get to be able to have the opportunity to participate by quitting. It's more like by pushing on. So that was kind of the only strategy I had going in is like, no matter how long it takes, I'm just going to keep on trucking until I have all the pages because I'm out here to do one loop. And if it's fast enough, I'll do a second loop. So made sure I finished that loop and it's just too slow, much like everybody else out there. Outstanding. That is, that is, I love the way you put that. This, this race, uh, as you just described is virtually impossible. It is the success rate is so small. This is on, on what is 
barely attainable for for a human being of the highest athletic caliber. So, so I, I would describe it as some years it might actually be impossible. It is so dependent on external factors than training and navigation and not making a mistake on your own. It might not even be possible some years, especially because every time someone finishes, he adds in another hill. So it's so close to impossible if the weather is perfect that if you know it's a little bit off, I mean, good luck. <laughs> And what did you think of the new hill he added this year? Um, so it was, let's see, he added it in 19, and it was can't. Uh, Barkley was canceled in 20 because of state of the world, and so it's called the meat grinder, and it's it's quite a hill. It's a, uh, it'll beat you up whether you're going up or going down it. It's uh, it's like when you're running down the sand at the beach and you just feel like your body's out of control and going to fall down. That's a, about the, the, uh, the, the um, angle of the meat grinder on the darker course. And how did Ratjaw treat you? Oh, Ratjaw is cool. It's, uh, it's wide open. It's where one of the only hills on the course you can see pretty much the whole hill. So it's kind of a good perspective on like, Oh, all the hills are like this, but since it's a power line cut, you can kind of see up it, and it it makes a lot more sense of, I guess, why you're so tired at that point. And it's iconic, just knowing the race for a while. It's pretty cool to get your chance to go up that job. Okay, having been through it once and making the the complete circuit, finding all the pages, you gonna do it again next year? Oh, absolutely. Some of those books that took too long. I'll never have to take more than 10 minutes again. I've, uh, I have dreams about where they are and how I'm going to find them. So, I mean, I'll at least throw my name out there and see if I get accepted again, but it's an, it's an awesome experience. And some of the most fun you get to just go out into the woods with all these elite runners and like have fun for, for some time on a scavenger hunt. It's like you're a, at a kindergarten birthday party, but you're grown adults and pushing your body to the brink. It's pretty cool. Nice. Now, with you being exhausted and vulnerable from your, your full moon run, uh, care to share any insights into the application process for the Barkley? I know you were, you were a little vague last time you were on. Yeah, I think uh, the key is if you want to get in bad enough, you'll figure out how to do it. There you go. Appro appropriately vague again. Okay, very good. <laughs> Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to legend about the Cocodona and his full moon runs and what's next in his uh, adventure career. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the back country to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long.
The John Freakin' Muir Pod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. Talking to Jeff Legend Garmeyer. Just finished hearing about his experience at the Barkley, and I was completely hooked and fascinated. Thank you very much for, for sharing all that. And I told you at the break that I will drop whatever I have to drop, drop everything. And if you need a crew member next year, I will crew for you. Count on me. Yeah. So I'll throw that out there. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll we'll put you at the on the long list of people who like to like to find their way to to Rosenhead State Park. <laughs> All right. But goal number one is get in again. Then, we'll, then we, maybe we can. Talk. Okay. All right. Sending good thoughts. Go through that very secretive application process. We'll have our fingers crossed and we'll wait to hear from you. Cool. Perfect. Okay. Hey, we, we talked about a little bit earlier. You participated in the Cocodona, which was uh, Jamil Corey's race in Arizona. And I believe this was the, the inaugural race the Mm -hmm. first time that it was it was run tell us a little bit about the uh the course how long was the course and is there a time limit on it so it's 255 miles long it (laughs) and it's a a running race yeah so it's it takes days like your time is measured in multiple days uh it let's see the time limit i believe was five days um in total an inaugural year so that means they don't really know they're guessing for an estimate when the the first person will finish and they're not quite sure how the course will treat runners and all these types of things which for me is exactly what i want i mean any marathon that's been going for a long time it's a set course on the roads with robust aid stations and everything's perfect but i mean the adventure of an inaugural run that's that's pretty awesome too they they're like we're not exactly sure the length of the race either it's probably around 255 but i think it came out to like 258 miles you know just three bonus miles and i'll tell you after you've run 255 miles you're sort of ready to be done so those extra three miles they feel a lot longer than just if you were just doing three miles 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I imagine that that is exacerbated, exacerbated by a 255, 258 mile race. But I know that running is is such a mental game. It's a mental accomplishment. If you got in your mind, you're going to run 10 miles and then someone tells you, hey, you got to do 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the time you get to 10, you're, you're finished. I mean, your mind, your mind plays this game. And yeah. so I can imagine uh, getting to 255 and someone saying, hey, just three more. You're almost there. And you're like, oh my gosh, no if, way. Yeah. If anyone's run a marathon, it's like you get to that 26 mile marker and then it's like, you still got 0.2 and it looks so far away. You can probably see the finish line, but it's like, I got to still keep going. I made my 26, but that 0.2 feels a lot longer than, than most of the 0.2 leading up to that point. Yeah. 258 miles. That's insane. Insanity. That's insane. Um, that is a long way to drive, let alone run. Um, what, what is the distance between aid stations? So at a marathon, you've got aid stations basically every couple of miles. So the longest distance was about 21 miles. So almost a marathon. So no big deal. And then probably the average was about 14 or 15 miles between aid stations. So you are out there for hours on your own. You kind of got to be prepared and carry enough stuff and it is Arizona but Arizona isn't just the Phoenix that most people know there's we're going into northern Arizona and I was down there a week before the race and it snowed on us so um, you got to be prepared for everything out there and it's it's a race but with 258 miles there's places where you're on your own out there yeah. And there's elevation gain, right? Throughout the, uh, throughout the yeah, race. Probably 40, 48,000 feet over 228 miles or 258 miles. And of course you're not running 258 miles. That That's impossible, right? No, you're sprinting it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, there's a lot. I think the, uh, the adage is you want to run downhill, you maybe hobble, jog, or walk a little bit on the flats and then you're you're hiking the uphills it's kind of the strategy you go with and of course with anything in life once you get to day two or three the strategy's out the window and you're just doing whatever your legs and body can do but um, usually that's kind of the, the strategy ultra runners go with and what what are you carrying during this race is it like through hiking and you're just running the downhills or is you know is your kit different completely different completely different um running pack lightweight um only carrying enough food to get to the next aid station and then you know the minimal gear to kind of combat anything if anything went wrong like i think we had to have an emergency blanket and it was like rain jacket that kind of thing but yeah very much it's like a through hike in the sense if you were doing the pacific crest trail you would think of everything in three to five day stretches between resupplies. And you're just applying that to 15 to 20 mile segments between aid stations, which are basically resupplies. So you're just, it's just a micro level of uh, through hiking, but you know, you're gonna have a smaller pack, which turns out to be a vest, a running vest in this case. And you're just keeping an eye on, you know, filling how much water you're gonna need for the next section. and that type of thing. But this race was specifically hard because a quarter of the elevation gain was in the first 30 miles. So you gained 10,000 feet in the first 30 miles and it was waterless for 
21 miles between aid stations. So people were just struggling in that first, let's say, half half day of the race. As you're going through that first 30 miles, people are just laying on the side of the, the trail in the shade, just like trying to bring themselves back to life after how hard it was. And you get to mile 31 and it's like, oh, made it through that hard section. Now I only have 224 miles to go. And people are dehydrated. People are thrown up. This is a 50K. This is like the length of a marathon. People are throwing up and they have over 200 miles to go. So uh, Jamil really uh, came up with the course that humbles you immediately and is like, how much do I want to be doing this for three more days? Yeah. And how, what, what kind of food, how much food do you have stuffed into that running vest? Um, not a ton. I think it's very dependent on how many, just like through hiking, how many calories a day, how many and in running, it's kind of how many calories per mile. So I usually go with uh, the like honey stinger or stroop waffles. I go with a couple of those and then a couple maybe more normal food things like a wrap or something from an aid station. And then I always like to have a couple options that's like, maybe I'm going to want this or maybe I'm not, but you don't want to be out there and not want to eat the food you have. So I'm kind of air on the through hiker side of, well, it would suck to be three hours and hating the food I brought. So I'll bring a couple just different options buried deep in the pack. Anybody out there carrying a large deep dish pizza? No, um, I don't think so, but that would be a great idea. You'd have to have a really good crew. So just in kind of signing up and joining this basically the last minute, I didn't have a crew and I had one pacer. And so I was basically other outside of the aid stations just self-supporting myself right before the race started i threw an extra pair of socks in my pack and was like i'll just rotate packs or socks like i'm on a through hike so i uh, definitely had a different approach than a lot of people out there okay and so i was going to ask you you know are you able to be supported or is it self-supported out there did they does your does your crew meet you at the aid stations or do they how does that work yeah if you uh, had a crew they mm-hmm. would meet you at the aid stations where a crew is allowed. And one thing I noticed is a dialed in crew is great, but a crew that is just like mom and dad coming out, they are just going to slow you down so much, like just so much wasted time. So it, other than some of the people who had people crewing that it were experienced, it was like, it kind of helped that I just had this mindset of, fill up water, get food, and then kind of move on to the next one. It's very much the through hiker mindset of eliminate the distractions. Cause if you're through hiking and friends want to come hang out at each town along the way, it's like, that'll kill uh, your momentum. Yeah. The legend of legend just continues to grow and he runs the Coca Dona 258 miles, uh, no crew, just an extra pair of socks. You know, <laughs> it'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you always want an extra pair of socks. That could also be the gear advice. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Keep that in mind. All right. Do you know Jamil? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we run quite a bit, or at least a decent amount together. And uh, yeah, he's uh, well, he's somewhat soft spoken about the races and what he's doing and stuff. And then you're out there in the first fifty k with him. 
run right next to him. And it's just like, he's like, wow, this is harder than I thought it would be for the first 50 K and there's no water. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Well, good news is we only have 220 miles to go. So looks like we're doing great. <laughs> nice. And so what was your, what was your finish time? How many, how many days and hours did it take you? Somewhere, somewhere in the four day range, I guess. It's hard to know when, so I slept one and a half hours over four days. So not each day, 90 minutes over four days, which comes out to, I don't know, 22 minutes a day. And are those just side of the road dirt naps? Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, um, I can't sleep on a plane or a train or an automobile, but I can sleep anywhere in nature. I can just fall over and I'm really good at like a five minute nap recharge. And it's like good to go. Yep. And that brings me back to the Barkley just for a second with that pocket watch that they gave you with no alarm setting on it. I mean, if you had to take a nap out there being sleep deprived, I mean, you'd have to rely on yourself to wake yourself up. I mean, you could slip into a, 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 a deep sleep and, and lose two or three hours right there. Absolutely. And the, the strategy would be sleep where it's most uncomfortable. So your body's going to go to sleep, but the second like a gust of wind hopefully can wake you up, but that's the only thing you have. You don't have anything else. <laughs> Gabe Peterson, who's been on the, on the podcast a couple of times, he and, and Kevin who fast packed the JMT and they're also ultra runners. Uh, he will take a caffeine pill 10 minutes before he, he takes a dirt nap and uh, count on that caffeine pill to wake him up. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I've heard uh, drinking a cup of coffee and then taking a nap is the uh, best way to get the most value out of your power nap. You're just hitting that that sleep and hitting that caffeine at the same time and just come back stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on the Cocodona. I mean, just finishing a 258-mile race, that is, that's a career resume builder right there. Thanks. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was so it was very interesting being maybe the only through hiker or person really more from that realm um, because it was like 250 miles is something I can conceptualize in my mind of distance. And it was like, not worried about the distance. It's like, what are the little things that ultra runners who've run 50 races like have learned that I need to make sure that I know. And it, just was those were the little things it's like I was sweating the details because I knew I could make it to the end no matter what just even if I walk the whole thing in the time limit so it was a very different style of what people were worrying about like some were like I don't know if I'll be comfortable at night and it was like man I'm gonna be so comfortable at night it's gonna be awesome out there so uh yeah it was it was cool to just have such a different background than everyone and in a 250 mile race, you're not exactly sprinting against each other from the beginning. So you get to have a lot of great conversations with people out there. And it's just awesome. The people you meet out there that all have different stories, different reasons, what they enjoy. And, you know, you got to be sort of weird if you're spending your vacation to go run 250 miles and you're paying to do it. So uh, it's, it's just a very cool culture that's completely different than some of the cross country or road running or anything like that in my background. So definitely opened my eyes to kind of that world for the future as well. Nice. And as a, 
um, triple crown or calendar triple crown and doing the great Western loop, would you average or could you average 50 miles a day? Oh yeah. Yep. Not so, you, a problem. so you knew going into the Coca Donut that if you had to, I mean, you could just put in 50 mile days and you get it done in five days. Yeah. Yeah. Like I did nine days unsupported on the Colorado trail to get that record. And I averaged 52 miles a day with starting with a 29 pound pack. And it was like, with the running vest, I'm sure I could just hike this and finish. And it's like, what are the things that would likely end this by making mistakes? So I just tried to eliminate those. And then it was like, okay, I get this. But so at the start of the race, they have these GPS trackers that, um, because they did live coverage and stuff, but there were a number of things I didn't know. Cause I've only really raced a 50 K before and, uh, some road running stuff but i show up the night before camp out there and then i'm taking my drop bags over to the the truck that's going to take them and they're like okay where are these going and i had two bags and it was like oh i thought these were following us the whole way and they're like no you're supposed to do one for each aid station with the drop bag and it was like Oh no. Well, I have 10 minutes till the start. And so I just picked out two random spots on the, the place and like, I guess here and here and see what happens. It's so when I threw a spare pair of socks and was like, these drop bags are not going to be helpful. I really didn't know how they drop bags worked in these things. Then I walk up to the start line and I'm waiting. And then it's like a minute to go. And they're, uh, you know, kind of starting to count down. And it's like, Oh, everyone has these spot trackers on. It's like, oh no, I have to get one of those. So I run over to the info booth and they're like helping people and takes a little bit of courage to speak up. And it's like, I'm supposed to start in like 30 seconds. Can I just like get one of those on me so I can start running? And it's just like all these little things, they strap it on and get up there for the 10 second countdown and then start running. But all the stress was gone once it finally started, but leading up to it, it was just like, oh, okay. I didn't know all these little things about like how, uh, how the race was going. And, you know, maybe that's, uh, comes with experience, but it was, it was pretty funny just realizing, well, the, the distance isn't going to be the thing that trips me up. It's like how all this actually goes is more the, uh, the tradition or whatever for running, but it was, uh, I was just glad to start. <laughs> now, legend, did I hear you correctly? You said that prior to this 255 mile, actually 258 mile race, your longest prior race was a 50 K. Yeah. I think this, uh, um, this online media person, uh, did a race preview. Uh, his he's, uh, Chase Parnell, he does tree line journal and, he tweeted and was like, uh, showed a picture of my, it's called ultra signup where it shows your race history. And it show, showed 150K for me. And he just tweeted, wow, bold move. Cause it showed that Cocodona was the next one. And it was like, yeah, just jumping up from 30 miles to 250. And it's like, yeah, it's a natural progression, I guess. But natural progression. Another another reason your name is legend. That that is legendary right there. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, I know. It's it's fun to go into things and be like, or even on the trail, even if you're just backpacking casually, it's like something went wrong. It's like, well, here's the things I have to fix it. 
how are we going to fix it? Cause we don't have anything else. It's kind of fun to get those problems. And it's like, well, probably screwed up my drop bags. What do I need to be successful? Probably another pair of socks. Okay. I'll throw it in my pack. Let's go. <laughs> I have said many times about myself that if ignorance is bliss, I'm one of the happiest guys on the planet sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I wish I could say that. I think I overthink and realize that, uh, maybe it started as ignorance and now it's just like a lack of prior knowledge and knowing a little too late. All right. Hey, we're running out of time. Let me, uh, let me run through some of our other segments. I also want to hear about your, your full moon nighttime races or nighttime activities that you, that you put together. When did this start and what, what kinds of uh, activities have you, have you done with this? Yeah. So um, my friend, Will Taylor, he, uh, ultra bad will on instagram he when we kind of started hanging out he was like have you ever thought about doing the ridge which is about 20 miles in bozeman at night and i was like not really but there's a full moon in five days you want to do it and i think he was shocked that i was so casual about like sure i mean let's just do it then if, if you're into it i could probably figure out how to make it work it's like let's do it in five days and he's like uh okay and so we did it. Did you tell him to bring an extra pair of socks? No, I, I just I just assumed he was uh he'd already thought it out way more than me. And it's like, well, I can got out 20 miles doing anything. So we just uh shuttled our cars and and started. It was uh thunder and lightning leading up to it. And so we hiked up to near tree line, but neither of us would we were like we're not in any danger yet. Let's just wait to call it and we'll go back down if it gets bad. So kind of hang out around tree line a little and then thunder and lightning blows over. And then we proceed through the full moon and the night to cover the entire ridge. And from then it was like, I think we should do this as many full moons as we can. And so we were in different locations because I travel quite a bit for things and um a couple months ago and he did a one of the higher peaks in montana i did one of the 14ers in the sierra nevada mount langley and we kind of had our uh, our virtual we call it uh, uh the we live on uh moonbeam lane so we just call it a moonbeam event and uh we did that and then um yesterday was the a blue moon, which um, news for the listeners, a blue moon is usually when there's two in a month, but it can also be when there's an extra one in the season. So this one was extra special because it was an extra one in the season. So we decided to go pretty big and do the Timberline Trail. And uh, we started at 8 p.m. last night, finished about 10 a.m., then did the All You Can Eat Buffet that PCT hikers love at Timberline Lodge drove back here and got my hour of sleep and just rolling through the day still. And uh, yeah, we've really expanded on the idea of just running. Now we seem to, we don't really know how crystals work, but we know they're involved in the full moon. So we bought a number of crystals and we charge them during the full moon and we don't, we don't know what they lead to, but it seems to be leading to something. So we're, really expanding if anyone wants to reach out and tell me how to use all these charged crystals because they're very charged i just don't know what to do with them so they can only help 
They can only help. Exactly. Yes. And so, yeah, we have, uh, you know, we have big plans, but we basically, it's not a race. It's not anything. It's just an adventure. And just with traveling quite a bit, it's pretty funny. We just like run through the night, tell jokes, talk and um, just like imitations, laugh and just like have an awesome time. It's no pressure. We don't care how fast we do it, but it's just so much fun every time. It does kill a couple of days and it's probably really bad long term for sleep deprivation. But at this point in time, it's a fun way to do things. So we're thinking about some merch with Moonbeam stuff. So let me know if you're interested and we'll sign, uh, sign me up. Rolling. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, any any hallucinations out there during these full moon runs or the Barkley or the Cocodona? Any good hallucinations out there from oh, sleep deprivation? The, the Cocodona for sure. So some of the lower level ones that I've had before our sticks are starting to slither and it looks like you have like uh, someone staring at you through binoculars from a ways away. Those I've had before, but in Cocodona, it got a little weird when um, just hobbling down this dirt road and it, the sun is just rising. So it's kind of flat light and shining through the pine trees and it, almost looked like people in reflective vests were working on the road. So I thought there was a whole construction crew ahead and I got there and there was nobody there. So I obviously knew that that was a hallucination. And then I kept going and then it looked like up ahead, there was a trailhead and there were like, I don't know, 50 cars parked at it and hiking, get up there. There's no trailhead and there's no cars. And then as I'm looking into the woods, it looks like every rock is an abandoned car and, things like that but this is day three and at that point I'd had about 32 minutes of sleep and it was just like wow I've lost it but this is kind of awesome so (laughs) mind playing tricks on you out there yeah it's a it's a very interesting state to get in because I've it's happened enough that I know that it's not real or that each thing that's a little out of place could not be real so it doesn't freak me out anymore but it is always like oh that's interesting my brain wanted to turn that into that so it's uh it's kind of entertaining in the moment i would say all right what's the what's the next big adventure for legend oh i'm doing uh, my second 50k ever coming up here at the beginning of september so we'll see how that goes i wanted to just try a little bit more running and stuff and then Looking at some FKT stuff coming up later this year, maybe like the Florida Trail or, or something like that. And then I'm kind of relaunching my whole YouTube channel and stuff like that, putting out some content that is somewhat, it's going to be informative and entertaining. And just, I have so much stuff. I've been really wanting to turn it into watchable bites. So I'm pretty excited to put that out there and just, give people some insight into a number of trails. And I also co-founded this website, Backpacking Routes, where we put out trails that are not the Triple Crown trails, but they're anywhere from, their lowest is 15 miles up to over a thousand miles. These trails currently around the U.S. that are, it gives you all the things you need to plan your hike, the GPS file, water situation, resupply stuff. And it's just like, let's spread the impact away from these uh, triple crown trails. If you're doing a section hike of the PCT. It's like, 
well, there's some pretty epic spots in Wyoming or the Sawtooth Loop in Idaho. It's like you could do something super unique that there aren't already 10 million pictures of or you get your own experience. So we're kind of just trying to put that information out there and it's been well received there too. Nice. What, uh, what's the website? It's backpackingroutes.com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've got a documentary coming out on the, we're working on it coming, coming out probably a couple, two to two to six months from now on the Colorado trail record that set. And then beyond that, a million other things, I would say just, follow along and hang on for the ride. There's a lot of stuff coming all the time. <laughs> okay. When does the, when does the movie come out about the calendar triple crown? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, and what, I mean, what actor, what actor plays you in the movie? Uh, Bradley Cooper for sure. Nice. I can, I see that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, I would say that will come out in 2023 on October 15th. Okay. Very highly specific. Yep. This year, highly specific. Barkley entrance procedures, very, very vague. So, yep. You know, yeah, kind of give and take. Yeah. You got to pick and choose. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Can't be vague oh. to you all the time. Got to keep you on your toes. Keep, keep me on the hook. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, we, I'm, we, we have an impromptu top five list here. And of course, it's related to the Barkley. I want to know about your top five moments. And if it's if top five moments, top five moments from your Barkley marathon experience in any particular order. Yeah. Um, Number one is probably checking me and getting to walk up, meet Laz, and we'll include copying the map down. All those little things that are in those movies you watch or the write-ups you see, I think that's when it becomes the real experience. And then from there, it becomes your own. But you have to get through that initial experience that everyone has that's like the, this is what you do when you're in Barclay. So that was number one for sure. Number two... Um, the humbling of looking for one book for over two hours is exactly what's supposed to happen to virgins out there. And it has to be the, one of the top five moments. It's, it sucks, but it's like, this is the point of the race. So number three, I would say going through the flume of doom, which is basically a slip and slide down the rocks for like 50 feet that is definitely not safe but so much fun and you just land in like a mud pit and continue sliding down the mountain so that's super fun uh, number four getting the last page of the loop and just knowing that i found all the books and just knowing just run it into the gate and um just knowing that i did a full loop even though i was too slow pretty cool feeling Number five, uh, just touching the gate and kind of wrapping up the uh, the loop. You start from it and you end at it. Maybe your time's too slow, but it's like I successfully did one loop, just too slow. So that was kind of cool. Throwing taps with that, and it's a it's a very cool thing where there's tradition around it, but it's also so much is unknown after you leave that yellow gate and get back to that yellow gate. Yeah, you are part of a very elite and select group that has participated in the Barkley Marathons. So uh, congratulations again on that, on the Cocodona, on uh, all the other great things you've got going for yourself. Uh, you know where we are right now? The gear, gear segment. 
We're at the pro pro tip, pro tip insight of the week. What little piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? I would say anytime you're having the biggest day, like people like to do the 24 hour challenge or an ultra running race or just pushing your body to a point where you're going to be exhausted at the end. Hold off as long as you can to take caffeine because the diminishing returns are staggering. If you start early, you're not going to have anything to use late. So I've learned this a lot on these uh, these moon moonbeam outings. It's like, yeah, you don't need to start by drinking a cup of coffee, but maybe you need some caffeine at my at hour six. So I think through hikers get addicted to caffeine and really crappy coffee a lot, but. You're going for that big 24-hour day. Just hold off until about hour 16, and then you're going to be able to push through and get up into this 60-mile range instead of the 50-mile range. And throw in that extra pair of socks. Yeah, always extra pair of socks. If anyone ever wants to get me a gift, I love socks. When I'm rich, I'll wear a brand-new pair of socks every single day. Very good. All right. There you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Legend. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Legend, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah. Uh, at the free outside on Twitter and Instagram, um, freeoutside.com. It's kind of where a lot of stuff funnels through. Uh, YouTube. There's a channel free outside, backpackingroutes.com. Um, other than that, probably just just Google or Bing. I don't know. Ask Jeeves if you're into that. Yeah, yeah there's a Facebook group or a Facebook page called Free Outside. Um, content kind of hits everywhere. It's kind of what you're into. Just Google me on a podcast app, find a few things. Uh, but yeah, if you uh, want to actually get a response and it's pretty slow i would say just smash that email button on instagram and otherwise probably gonna miss it because you heard all the things coming and it's all for the interested people out there like you guys listening so i'm excited about it but it leaves not too much time to respond to message requests Uh, we appreciate the the valuable time that you're able to spend with us tonight we know it's in short short supply uh Question for you, big question. What about TikTok? You on TikTok? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm homeless Jeff on TikTok. <laughs> no, no. I don't know. I should believe you're not on that one. At homeless Jeff. I mean, look it up. I'm I think I'm amazing at TikTok, but apparently Gen Z doesn't because I don't have a lot of followers yet. Okay. At homeless Jeff. Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm looking it up, buddy. I'm gonna look yeah. it up. Yeah, you're gonna start laughing. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Legend, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for some kind of adventure media to help keep our listeners connected to the outdoors. Any suggestions for a book, a movie, documentary, anything like that? Yeah. Um, Okay, it can be broad outdoors. The Shane McConkie film by Red Bull is my favorite, I guess you'd say, in that documentary realm of all time because he has so much fun. He's so talented. He's so entertaining. And uh, 
won't spoil anymore but if you want to be entertained even if you don't like skiing or don't like the outdoors i don't know why you're listening but still that is an awesome film i totally agree i saw i saw i think it's called is it called mcconkey mcconkey yep yeah it was outstanding and we won't we won't spoil anything for the for the listeners here but check it out excellent choice and before we wrap things up i've got one more segment for you called what have i not asked you that you're dying to tell us about man um it's a great question how people can give me better ideas for videos on tiktok Okay. How can people give you better ideas for videos on TikTok? Um, just probably just email me like a hundred ideas and I'll try them all out. Okay. At homeless Jeff on TikTok. Yep. That's, that's the one all you right. don't believe me, but it's true. Okay. I'm looking it up. That's a wrap from the John freaking your studio. Any shout outs to friends and family legend. I heard you give a shout out to your, your moonbeam. Uh, yeah. adventure buddy out there. What was his, what was his social media handle again? Will Taylor at ultra bad. Will. Like, ultra bad. Yeah. It's ultra bad. Will. and then, um, yeah, let's give a shout out to my mom and dad at badass baby boomers. They're doing a 400 mile section hike of the Oregon section of the PCT right now. So, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. It, it really is. It's pretty awesome. They're, uh, they're doing it their way, doing it how they want, really enjoying it. They wanted to do it for a while. And uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're having a good time out there, I think. So you should uh, check them out on social media. Give them some tips too, because I don't think they're uh, real familiar with the Instagram. So there you go. Okay. And were you inspired by them? That's how you got into this? Or were they inspired by you? Well, I think we've come full circle. They inspired me. And maybe now there's a bit of inspiration I'm sending their way. Who knows? Maybe it's the crystals. I don't know how they work. The crystals. Yep. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've lost Jamil Corey in the fog. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.